Hi everyone, I'm Colby Horton. And I'm Frank Kimata. And we'd like to welcome you to another episode of Engaging in the Next, an original podcast from Association Briefings where we talk about what's next for the association community when it comes to technology, Marcom strategy, people, membership, and money. So pop quiz, hotshot. What was our first Engaging in the Next podcast episode about? You just hit me with a pop quiz, hotshot. Isn't that like a reference from the movie Speed? Pop quiz, hotshot. Yeah, I, I can't do a very good Dennis Hopper impression, but I'm glad you got the obscure 1994 uh, movie. Hold on. Pop quiz, Colby. How old do you think I was when that movie came out? Oh, I don't I, I don't want to say because it would make me so much older. I think I was nine. Anyways, to answer your question, I think our first episode was a podcast about podcasting. And do you actually remember how awkward we were during that first episode? Yeah, it was, it was terrible. I still have nightmares just thinking about it. I mean, of course, it's not as bad as some of the, the 90s high school memories I have. I mean, who said mullets, high tops, and cargo pants were cool? I could break off a little umbop if you'd like. Yeah, I still have bad dreams of going to high school and not knowing my combination from my school schedule. So I'm right with you on that one. <laughs> Uh, we, we've definitely come a long way, uh, Hotshot, um, but I actually think we're coming up on our 20th episode, too. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy to think about. Can't believe you put up with our rambling for uh, 18 episodes. But, you know, like other 90s trends I was so in tune with, uh, everything seems to come back around. So like our first episode, we're going to talk about podcasting for associations, and like our first episode, we have a powerhouse guest with a personality meant for podcasting. We're going to talk about what makes a good host, uh, frequency, and revisit some of her favorite podcasting moments with CEOs of various associations. I mean, she's got some great insight to share. So who's on our show today, Frank? Well, Kobe, today we're talking with Joanna Panetta, CEO and Chief Troublemaker for Matrix Group, a top web design and development agency in the Washington, D.C. area. Joanna speaks regularly at association and industry conferences on the topics of member journeys, analytics, and being data-driven, communications best practices, and digital transformation. She's a black belt in Taekwondo, makes a killer banana bread, a huge Star Wars fan, and such a connoisseur of K-dramas that she hosts a weekly podcast called K-Drama Chat. Welcome to the podcast, Joanna. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. We're very happy to have you. And... As a fellow podcast host, you probably spend a lot of your time listening to other people's stories, but we'd love to hear yours. So how did you get into the association space and what do you like most about it? Wow, this takes me back and I'm going to totally date myself. So when I got out of college, I actually worked for a nonprofit. I worked for the San Francisco Education Fund. So I was a fundraiser for two years, raising money for the San Francisco Public Schools for a series of what we called public and private collaboratives. And then after that job, I actually went back to grad school. I got a second degree in international relations, thought that I was going to do some amazing work in the State Department or something, which, you know, turned out not to be the thing that I wanted to do. So I ended up working for a bulletin board company. So this is pre-web. I was working for a bulletin board company and then the web came along. And the company had a couple of association clients that we had built and were managing private 
online network for and then when the web websites and that was in 1993 built my first website in 1994 so i am totally dating myself and you know what was cool about it is i think we figured out really really fast that the web was tailor-made for associations because it was a mechanism to gather information and then disseminate it. And then it's also a place for gathering. So if you think about what associations do, they take information, they kind of munge it, they make it better, they add value, they add contacts, and then they disseminate it to their members or to the world. And then they allow their members to get together, right? So that then they can be with people like them because they're in the same industry or they're in the same profession. So, I mean, absolutely tailor-made for what associations are doing. Never really thought of it that way. That makes a lot of sense. All right. We're about to get into podcasting in general, which uh, we could probably talk an hour and a half to two yes, hours just on this. I think our passions are, are all in the same place there. So we're going to try and uh, narrow it down, try and get our subject matter as narrow as possible here. But, you know, as... Again, Frank called us fellow podcast hosts, fellow podcast producers. You know, we know how much work goes into putting together an episode like this. You know, obviously recording is just a, a very small part of the process. Our podcast drops once a month. Yes. You're producing a podcast twice a week. Yes. Um, not to mention a personal podcast that once a week. We'll on. Yeah, we'll we'll hit on that a little bit later. I don't know how you're not crazy uh th that's a lot of work know that i'm not crazy but let's not go there <laughs> i'm not gonna say that so <laughs> but hey let's give your business podcast a plug talk to us about associations thrive and why you started it so associations thrive came out of a conversation with my marketing team so i'll take you back to i guess the summer of 2022 and I was meeting with my team, and every year we do something called a showcase. It's a webinar that we do where we showcase some of our favorite projects from the year. And we feature, you know, kind of new and different things. And the idea is to give clients and prospects a sneak peek into what clients have done that might be of interest because it's maybe a little bit different, uses different tech, et cetera. It's our most popular webinar of the year. Mm -hmm. And somebody said, hey, why don't we do a podcast and tell the story of these different clients and their projects, but let's open it up to non-clients so that we can really tell these stories. Because we felt like maybe there was a little bit of an opening in the association podcast space to really hear the stories of these projects. So we didn't really know what we were doing. And, you know, I have to say that when you said fellow podcaster, I had a little bit of a thrill because like I'm honored to be called a fellow podcaster by you guys. Like you guys are amazing. Like you're pioneers in this area. And so, you know, we didn't know what we were doing and it has quickly become a podcast where we celebrate a successful associations and nonprofits and their leaders. And it's turning out to be this amazing form of storytelling about how these individuals got to be where they are. Like nobody grows up saying, I want to be an association exec. And yet every single one of them loves what they're doing, loves their members, feels really passionate about the things that their members do and the profession, their industry, et cetera. And then it's also been kind of this really neat way to highlight the new and different things that these associations are doing. So every episode, like honestly, I don't know where the episode is going to go. We don't have a set topic. 
But every single episode, there's something that surprises me. So that's Associations Thrive. And the reason we went twice a week is because I had such a backlog of recordings at one point that I said to my team, guys, so this was like back in April, and I said, any recording I do today is going to drop in August. And that's just not right. So we said, then let's go twice a week and people will listen to whatever episode they want to listen to. You know, I think this industry has so much content out there. I mean, yes. you, you can talk to just individuals within this space and everyone has such a unique story. I think that's what you're building. And it's something that the same type of unique stories that the industry wants to hear about. So you're on a, such a great path and your clients are on such a great path and your guests are on such a great path. It's such a unique industry. And I love that those stories are being told through your podcast and through various other podcasts that are out there. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head as well. There's always room for a podcast within an industry, as long as you find that unique flair, if you will, that yes. unique direction. And I think you found it. So congratulations on that. Thanks. Thank you so much. I love it. I just feel like every time I do an interview, I really don't know where it's going to go. That's always fun. And Joanna, in your opinion, why should an association start a podcast? I get asked this question a lot because I do run into CEOs and VPs of communications who say, should I start a podcast? And I obviously the answer is going to be, it depends. The organizations that I've met that have successful podcasts do it for a variety of reasons. Sometimes they want to disseminate their content in a new and different way. And what we are finding is just as when video came along, there's a segment of the population that really loves video. So video becomes the way to disseminate information. There's a segment of the population that's growing that really likes podcasts. And the consumption is very different. What we find is people will listen to a 20, 30 minute podcast, but they won't sit through a 20, 30 minute video. And I think it's because the consumption is different. I can listen to a podcast while I'm folding laundry, which I loathe, by the way. And so now folding laundry isn't something that's loathsome because I'm listening to an awesome podcast. So that's one reason they have good content. I think another reason is, you know, folks like Wade Kaler from FCSI, for example, he said, you know what? He, he was somebody I had on my show. He said he does this podcast as a way to connect with his members. So he's been able to really have these really meaningful conversations with his members. He also said that a side benefit has become that his members get showcased on the podcast. And so now it's a member benefit because they get to talk about how they're unique and different and the neat projects that they're doing. So all kinds of reasons to do a podcast. Now that said, Frank and Colby, you know that producing a podcast is work. So it's not for everybody. It is not a, let's put up a podcast and people will listen. You have to have the right guests, the right host, high production value, editing, promotion. So, you know, like everything else, it's got to have a plan. Absolutely. And I think you kind of answered my next question. I'm going to go ahead and ask it anyway, just in case it does take a different direction. But for those association executives that hear your podcast or hear our podcast or any podcast in general and think, I can do that, what would you say to them? Oh, I would say absolutely you can do that. Like anything else, I mean, any association can do anything. They can put on a conference, they can put out YouTube videos, and they can put on a podcast. But like anything else, what's the goal of the podcast? What's the content? 
What's the unique niche of the podcast? Who's going to be your host? That turns out to be a really, really important decision. Who's going to produce it and who's going to promote it? So if you've got the resources and you can come up with the answers to those questions, then absolutely put it on a podcast. What makes for a good host? Man, I think you guys are probably better equipped to answer that question because you produce podcasts and I do not. I am a podcast host and I hope that I'm engaging, but I'll say that I do listen to a lot of podcasts. And I think that there are several qualities that make for a good host. One is I think you need somebody who can establish rapport with the guests so that it sounds like just a great conversation that you happen to be party to, right? Those are the best podcasts where you think, I can't believe that I got to listen in on this conversation. The second thing is I think a good podcast host is curious. If they've got a real curiosity about them, then the interview or the conversation doesn't seem robotic or formulaic because it'll go wherever the guest really takes them. You know, the third thing is I think that they need to probably like talking to people and have a good way of conversing with them. I mean, I think you need someone who's a good conversationalist. And then I think the fourth thing is you need someone who maybe is able to emote or show expression through their voice. What do you say? Yeah, I think I think you've you've hit most of the, the points there. I think that there's a lot of and we, we talked about this during our pre-show. There's a lot of associations out there who are interested in starting a podcast and believes that, you know, maybe their board president or their executive director is is the best person to host it. And they may be great leaders, they may be great business owners. But as you said, maybe they're not the best at carrying on a conversation or doing a follow-up question to an answer. You know, they're not necessarily listening, which I think is extremely important for hosting capabilities. So I think you you kind of hit it. And I think that associations shouldn't shy away from looking at, you know, the 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 communications specialist in the communications department who probably could do an awesome job at hosting the podcast. Uh, maybe they don't have the title that everyone wants, but they can carry on a conversation and, you know, they're energetic and they want to be involved. And maybe that's the person you look at. Yeah, I think you definitely hit those points. Colby, I think it's complicated because it's political. Sure. Right. If you have the young communication specialist who might be great uh, or might be a great conversationalist, but doesn't have the heft or the knowledge of the industry... And maybe they don't have the stature to be able to have a conversation maybe with more senior members. Then it comes across as kind of uneven. The other thing is like often the choice of a podcast host can be very political because you want someone who's kind of sticking around, right? Because what happens is if you have kind of revolving hosts or you have someone and they're awesome and then they leave, well, now the voice of your podcast is gone. So it's political and I... I don't really envy the association that needs to make that decision because if you've got a board chair who says, oh, well, I think I could do this, but they can't, I don't know what you do. Yeah, it's always, there's only so much post-production you can do. And, you know, if you don't grab someone in those first few seconds of a podcast, they move on. And it's really your host who drives that. It's the host that people have relationships with and, and keeps them coming back to hear more and more. So I, I definitely agree with you. We have a couple of associations, and, and maybe you can weigh in on this, that actually have revolving hosts, that maybe it's several members of their board, 
and they just rotate through those hosts. And I guess in that case, it takes care of the fact that if someone happens to leave, where you have you know multiple hosts hosting the podcast. So maybe that's an option as well. I think that's okay. Like Harvard Business Review, they have multiple hosts, right? right? The IdeaCast podcast, which I love, by the way. Like sometimes it's Kurt Nickish and sometimes it's the editor-in-chief and sometimes it's the managing editor and they're all wonderful and amazing. I will say this. I think that if you're going to be a podcast host, you should go through coaching and training. I certainly did. I did not know how to be a podcast host. And for example, I got advice to be more enthusiastic than I think is necessary because by the time it goes through the filter of the audio you're not as enthusiastic as you might think or imagine yourself to be. And so that's something that I had to get used to. And so maybe you can coach up your leaders to become podcast hosts. Or if you say, hey, listen, you got to go through this training and you got to work with a coach, they might self-select themselves out anyway. Right. I think you're bringing up a great point too about the power of the voice. Right. I mean, and that's that's what's so great about podcasting is it's this authentic voice that tells a story or talks about what's going on in the industry. And I think coaching is is right. And and coaching can also be there's some great Udemy courses out there that talks about voice diction and, and how to tell a story. And, you know, just being able or being willing to take on those courses or take on that coaching probably means that you're going to stick around for a little while to, to host right, the right. podcast. You know, going back to the revolving host, revolving hosts in season one, well, you might find one or two that really stand out that can then take the podcast into seasons two and three. So I'm with you. I don't necessarily envy the association when they're trying to find the right host for their association or telling who might think they're the right host that maybe that's not the direction they want to go. So I'm with you there. So I love where I, I want to transition a little bit. And I love the direction that I'm, I'm about to go here because of who we're talking to. You know, you've talked to, if I'm counting right, at least 40 plus. Yes. Yes. Association CEOs for your podcast. You know, I'd love to hear if it's possible, the top five insights or pieces of advice or takeaways that impacted you the most during these discussions. Yeah, I'm happy to. This has been so meaningful for me to hear what CEOs are thinking about. And I actually meet regularly with my team to say what themes are coming out. How do we disseminate this out to the rest of the company? Because the more we know about what associations are concerned with, what's keeping them up at night, frankly, the more valuable we are to our clients, right? So I am always amazed at how often governance shows up. Almost every interview, governance in so many forms. Governance as in how do we lead the organization? Who gets to lead the organization? Who decides who leads the organization? How long do they get to lead? The other thing that they think about is things like who gets to be a member? Who gets a voice and who gets a vote? And how do we make sure that we're getting it right? And then there's obviously governance of the association itself. How do we know that we're recruiting the right staff, that we're you know, creating the right culture, and really connecting with the staff? So it's amazing. And I can give you examples of some of the 
really amazing interviews that I've had where it like it took my breath away what they were doing and just the thought that has gone into the governance of these associations. So governance every single time. And to be honest, like I'm a tech CEO, right? So we're having these conversations about governance and I'm thinking, wow, I don't know a lot about this. And so I'm going to get curious about this. And I think it makes sense because often these governance issues don't really touch tech, right? Things like discussions that an association might have, but who gets to be a member. So Sharon Meebone, for example, from Pain Medicine, she said that their members previously were all MDs. And then they made a decision to allow non-MDs, but PhDs to become members. And now they're considering who else should be a member, including non-PhDs and non-MDs. Now, that could be a really contentious discussion in the organization, right? So Cynthia Young, for example, from Art Therapy, she said that recently they allowed students to vote. And that was contentious when she first brought it up. They said, oh my goodness, there's no way that we can give students the vote. They don't know enough. They recently brought it back up to the leadership and the membership, and the membership voted it in, she said, almost unanimously. Now their student members have a voice. Vince Tellucci from the Chiefs of Police. The name of the association is the International Association of Chiefs of Police. They have a category of membership that allows non-chiefs to be members. I think they're called associates. But they were wondering why these second and third level leaders weren't becoming members. And, you know, Vince said to a person it was because of the name of the association. It was the International Association of Chiefs of Police. So sometimes the chief didn't want them to be a member or the police leaders didn't think they could be members. So then there is this whole kind of marketing campaign to make sure that those police leaders knew that they could become members, even if they're not chief members, that they can become members. So just amazing conversations about governance, amazing conversations about mental health and how you have industries and professions where mental health is an issue because of who the members take care of. So the American Counseling Association, the American Art Therapy Association, and the Chiefs of Police, their members cater to people where mental health is an issue. So that's another theme. Another theme that's really come through is the theme of reinventing your conference in so many ways, probably more ways than it, that I can recount on this podcast. But the organizations that are thriving are really stepping back and saying, how do we blow this up? They're creating new events. They're sunsetting events. They're completely redoing the process for who gets to be a speaker. They're redoing the schedule. Um, you have Russ Webb, for example, from the Bay Area Apartment Association. Man, do I love this guy. His annual conference is never at the same time, in the same location, or in the same format. So he keeps his members guessing about what they're going to do next. I mean, it's incredibly bold, absolutely working for the organization. He has a lot, he had a lot of detractors. And now his board and his members are total fans and they know that whatever happens, it's going to be something amazing and they won't do it again. I think that's all so great. Tell you what, if we can get links to all those episodes, we'll link those over in our show notes. All those episodes are great, although all your episodes are terrific. Uh, there's one piece of advice I'd like you to share with our audience, and that's the advice of uh, 
Trevor Mitchell from American Mensa oh, yes. and working with his board. his board. Am I sharing that real quick? Yeah, absolutely. So Trevor Mitchell is CEO of American Mensa. So in order to be a member of Mensa, you have to score in the top 2% of one of the valid tests that they that they administer and that they accept. So his members, they're 50,000 across the U.S., including some like 100-year-olds and apparently a three-year-old. And I said, good God, Trevor, how do you test a three-year-old when he talks about that? But at the end of the podcast, I said, Trevor, what's it like to have a board meeting where your members are some of the smartest people in the world? And he said, you know, Joanna, these are people who love learning, who ask a lot of questions. And so now I've learned to ask this question. Do you need to know this information because you needed to make a decision or is it because you're curious? Absolutely brilliant advice. So now his members, when they ask a question, he says he'll look at them and they'll say, oh, I'm just curious. So now they know how not to go down a rabbit hole because they don't need to discuss this in order to make a decision. But his board members and his members know that he respects that not right now. Brilliant advice. I love that advice. I think anyone listening to this podcast, if you take anything else away, take Trevor Mitchell's advice there from Joanna's podcast. So I love and, it. And Colby, this advice is really relevant for anybody who works with me. Because if you've ever taken Strengths Finder, you know, the Gallup book, my top strength is input. And I actually had my coach who said, Joanna, input is a great strength, but it gets you in trouble because people who are input are information hoarders. So I will just ask tons and tons of information, but now I know how to qualify my questions. So I will be in a meeting, for example, with one of my team members and they're talking to me about a project and I'll ask all these questions and it could come across as, I'm second guessing your decisions. I'm wondering why you made these decisions. You know, I think maybe that you didn't make the right choice, you know, in architecting this thing. But I always preface it as, I think you're doing a terrific job. I just need to know from my own curiosity how you did this because I'm curious. And then they relax because they know I'm asking for myself, not because I think they're doing a terrible job or because I'm questioning the decisions that they made. So that I learn from StrengthsFinder and a conversation with my coach. Joanna, is there anything that we have missed? I love where this conversation has gone. And I think we could talk, as I said, for a very long time. You know, I'll just say for the podcast host, for me, and I think for you, Frank and Colby, it's been unbelievably meaningful to have these great conversations with my guests. I love it. And I feel just very privileged to have the opportunity to do it every week. And I hope that the execs that decide to podcast have that experience as well. Love it. Well, Joanna, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. We really appreciate our conversation today. Man, what a pleasure to speak with you guys. And again, so honored to have you call me a fellow podcaster. <laughs> well, I think we're learning as much from you as you can learn from us. Well, now... We'd like to put you in the hot seat one last time. The final segment we like to call the Briefings Minute. <laughs> We're going to fire off a series of questions just to learn a little bit more about you. So give us the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. I'm scared. <laughs> Joanna, you're a mom of an Eagle Scout. 
and have been involved in scouting for 12 years. In your mind, what's the most unique badge a scout can earn? Oh, wow. I'll tell you, the scout badge or the merit badge that is least offered and perhaps is the most unique is the American Labor Merit Badge. It teaches you about the American labor movement. It is apparently the least offered in the country, and I happen to be a merit badge counselor in this. (laughs) Well, Joanna, if teleportation existed and you could have lunch anywhere in the world, where would you go? Paris. What would you eat? Oh, man. Yeah, that's a really good question. Maybe fondue or maybe a croque monsieur or just an amazing piece of bread with an amazing piece of brie. That would be good enough for me. So you have your own K-drama podcast. Is there a must-watch show that you could recommend for our listeners? Man, so many. I have to tell you a funny story about this. So Cynthia Young actually said to me, she's the executive director of the American Art Therapy Association, she said, all right, all right, Joanna, you've convinced me. I'm, I guess I'm ready to watch my first K-drama. Can you give me a recommendation? And I said, well, what genre? And she said, what? What do you mean? I said, there's so many genres. There's coming of age. There's revenge. There's romance. There's comedy. There's grim reaper. There's time travel. There's historical. So, you know, as a friend of mine says, this is the output of an entire country. But if there's a must-watch... I would say today, my must-watch is a K-drama on Netflix called 2521. And it is the story of a woman, a girl, she's in high school, a fencer, who wants to compete on the world stage, and it's about her relationship with her rival, and it is a beautiful story about friendship and love and discipline and hard work and distance. And when you watch the show, you'll understand what I mean about distance. It's about managing distance between people, between friends, and in fencing, managing the distance. It's a beautiful show with amazing cinematography, the most beautiful actors you've ever seen in your life, beautiful music, and the acting is just superb. And if they get confused about it in season four of K-Drama Chat, we recap and analyze every episode. So if they say, what just happened, they can listen to my podcast. There's another plug for you. I love it. So we'll add that to the list of of shows to watch. I got to get through Ted Lasso first. So work on that first. Then then I'll move on. Love Ted Lasso. If you love Ted Lasso, you will actually like 2521. Excellent. So as a host of several podcasts, who is a TV, radio, or podcast host that you admire? I love uh, Reed Hoffman from Masters of Scale. This is a podcast that I listen to every single week. It's not always Reed, but I love the episodes the most with Reed Hoffman. And I actually, I think I was inspired to do a podcast because of Reed Hoffman. Beautiful production value. Even the ads are amazing. They're podcasts within podcasts and amazing content. Well, Joanna, it's well-documented that you're a martial artist. Can you tell us about your upcoming big test? I have a big test on Friday. I am currently a brown belt in Hapkido, which is a Korean martial art. And, you know, to be honest, I've been stuck at brown belt for about a year. It's a tough belt. And I said to myself, this is the year. So I've been working towards this test. I'm testing with two friends and we all kind of pinky swore that we were going to do it together. So this Friday, 
at 6.30, I don't know when this is going to air, but anyway, um, I'm taking a test to become what's called a bow black in Hapkido, and bow black means below black. It's the belt before black belt, so first degree black belt. And once you become a bow black, if you decide to continue, then it's about six months of really hard training before your black belt test. My friend Laura and I have kind of made a decision that this is the year we're going to try and do it. That's so I'd be limping all year long <laughs> and I will be bruised and consuming massive quantities of Arnica. <laughs> this is the year. Well, again, best of luck. And you're also currently learning a new language. Could you tell us about that and maybe teach us a few words? Well, no surprise, I'm learning Korean. So, you know, during the pandemic, I took a year and a half of Italian, and that was just absolutely lovely. And I thought it was going to screw up my French. I used Duolingo, which I love. It did not. It was absolutely lovely. What an amazingly just beautiful and expressive language. And then, of course, when I got interested in the K-dramas, I said, well, maybe it's time to learn Korean. So the thing that's interesting about Korean is there are multiple politeness levels in Korean. And you always start out very, very polite until you have permission to not be polite. And so you're always managing the level of the person that you're talking to. In fact, it's apparently common when people meet each other to ask each other's age so that they can figure out how they should speak to them. So, you know, if you wanted a couple of phrases. So when I walk into the martial arts studio, I've, of course, I've got a Korean master. I say, 안녕하세요, which is, I think literally it means like, peace be with you or be well. And then when I'm leaving the studio, I say, 안녕하세요. And my master says, 안녕하세요, because I'm leaving and he's staying. And then thank you is 감사합니다. And so we say that a lot at the studio. It's a beautiful, beautiful language. Very, very formal. Well, Joanna, that's the buzzer for today. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we love that you were here. Thank you for your insights, and we hope to have you on again. I would love it. It would be an honor. Thank you. Great. And thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of Engaging in the Next. Join us each month as we discuss trends that impact what's next in the association space. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you'd like more information about association briefings and how we can help your organization produce a podcast or a unique data-driven personalized newsletter, be sure to visit us online at associationbriefings.com. See you next time.